0: Brought to you by Make Fun Network.
1: Welcome to Lost Legends Tales of Third Season 3.
2: This is Ben, the DM. Well, no, there 14. are only three numbers. There's one, two, and many.
0: My name is Theron. Did a- anyone else have like a weird rope fantasy? Kalanon, Magna, your squire is absolutely brutalizing
1: coffee.
3: This is not going to brighten up my day.
1: I'm Big Boots. I'm your new best friend. Let the mayonnaise embrace you. I don't you need do. your mayo aid. You know, you know, the smell of shit and mayonnaise is going to just go right together.
4: My name's Magna. Spumoni, me, spum me. Who is it calling?
1: On three, Dirty Water Boys. One, two, three. Dirty
4: Water dirty Boys. Water dirty boys. Water Boys.
2: Last time on Lost Legends Tales of Thern, the Dirty Waterboys led the insurrection in the town of Moonhaven. With the support of the giant king Nimbulon. the battle for Moonhaven commenced. To Theron's shock and dismay, Nazar the Oracle intercepted a fatal blast of necromantic energy from the evil vampire, Luther Ashendale. A duel ensued, and the vampire's defeat spelled doom of the Golden Empire's forces, who fell into a complete rout. The end of the battle led to a fracturing of the Dirty Water Boys, with Theron having a heartfelt goodbye with Nazera, and a war council being summoned to the south. A year has passed. The prophetic vision of the gods has come to pass. The war between the Golden Empire and the forces of the Great Coalition have begun. Already the first year has consumed an immeasurable number of lives. We rejoin our heroes, Theron, Big Boots, Magna, and Kalanon, in their fractured state during the Gap Year. These are their stories. Theron, we're start your story, leaving the homestead. So this would be after you and your father, Tarek, have already found the uh, the new oracle, an infant, and uh, Tarek has decided to raise the child back at your old homestead. Okay. Kind of a um, ramshackle house in the middle of the woods.
0: Okay. Is it okay if I just give like a brief summary of like what happens between then and then, or is that going yeah, yeah, to come up later? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So essentially, after the death of Nazera and Theron returning her to the Omorukatal Tower, Uh, Theron and his father both return to their home, uh, Theron's childhood home, which hasn't been lived in for, you know, over a decade. And they spend probably close to a month or so fixing it up and getting it all ready. And Theron spends a lot of his spare time training and just kind of hunting and fishing until he receives a vision of a baby in trouble. And it turns out to be the new Oracle after the death of Nazara. And so Theron has to go, basically save this baby from the midst of the Golden Empire. And while doing so, he decides to change his appearance and change his look and stuff. He cuts his hair. We'll get in. Sorry to interrupt. We'll get into
2: the appearance in a little bit once you guys meet. Oh, okay. Up. Theron no, changes his appearance. Describe your new look.
4: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Theron changes his appearance and uh, <laughs> goes under a pseudonym of Fedor Terekson while he's traveling. Uh, goes and saves his baby. Returns home with the baby. Leaves. The infant with his dad for his dad to kind of take care of and raise while Theron decides to go off and somewhere else. And that's where we're going to from there, which is now. So, yeah. Excellent. What's up, Ben? Heck yeah. <laughs> so, Tarek is
2: there. He's got the baby in one arm and uh, a health potion in the other. He kind of just hands it to you. We'll say at this point, you've already packed. You've already got kind of your travel bag ready. Tarek just kind of gives you a long look. Could I have your real insight for me?
0: Absolutely gonna be an 18
2: 18 you can tell that he looks worried he uh he says look son i could have done a better job raising you admittedly but you've grown into a fine young man he Says this little one though ugh, You don't miss when you were a baby just hand you <laughs> off to your mother that's saint
0: uh don't 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 worry about it dad i think i think you've you've learned your lesson and you've learned that you know just just be there for the for the kid. Uh sorry is is it going to be a male or female for the baby? Just so I can refer to it not as the baby or the kid, <laughs> or do you uh, have this, a name or anything? This one's also a female. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't don't worry about that. Just just take care of her while I'm gone.
2: Uh, can do. Any any uh, idea when you're going to be back there, boy?
0: I honestly, I I couldn't say. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go find. Go find what whatever I need to feel complete again, I guess, and uh sooner or later I'm gonna have to return to the war front and help the boys and I don't know how long that could take. Could be years, could be a decade. Wars can last a while.
2: Yeah, tell me about it. it says whatever you do, just keep your head on your shoulders, you hear? We'll do dad. It's okay to ask for help ever so often, is what I'm saying. I mean, I can find a babysitter. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, You've I, done enough fighting I, for I've, one lifetime. Yeah, but I still got some more fighting to do, is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
0: If, I mean, I'm, if not a, need I'm not an old horse, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I got you, Dad. If if the need arises, I'll send word. And he just
2: kind of looks down at his feet and just kind of nods. So yeah, just just take care now, son. we
0: Will do. So yeah, so Theron leaves on, probably summons a horse and leaves on horseback. Excellent. Yeah. So
2: the, uh, the place on the map that Tyria was from, like her, her tribe of elves is called the Ashen Hills. It is far off to the East and uh, it would take you about a month to get there. So on the map, um, it kind of tells you like, there's, there's kind of some visual marks for like things along the way, like trees for a forest, you know, waves for bodies of water in her tribe's location. You would see a great forest with an hourglass. Um, as her tribe exclusively worships the god of time. Being elves, long lived, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, we'll say, um, you know, along the way, you pass through several villages that, you know, they're mustering after the, um, the, the great convocation, the big meeting that, uh, starts the war, that creates the great coalition. Villages all around the world, or all around this part of the world, I should say, are mustering their troops for conscription. Um, if you show them, like, your, any kind of documentation from the oracle or from princess Eldora, you'll be able to avoid the uh, conscription
0: officers kind of that you have
2: a, a higher mission so to speak
0: yeah i would probably have like some sort of letter or something like that because he he might not have been in touch with like the boys because they're out and about but he probably would have tried to send word to someone like hey this is where i am and what i'm doing if you need me come find me type deal totally not like a
2: like an answering machine yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely and I say, uh, like I was saying earlier it takes you about a month to get there they live right in the center of this great forest think like California red oaks the trees are just huge uh, out east kind of a magically imbued you know being this is like a grove of the god of time these trees just tend to live on and live on and on and on so you know they've many years uh, very thick there'd be a point where you find the tribe um, they live in kind of these like yurts Kind of like a like a hut, but a little bit nicer. And then you'd see there's probably about 250 people that live in this area. They're all wearing kind of drab brown clothing. Looks like it was like rough spun, made themselves. Kind of uh, long, unkempt hair, a lot of them. Kind of blondes and some light browns and reds. They all give you a very odd look as you ride your horse into the center of the village.
0: An odd look as I take my horse down the Old Town Road. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Yeah, Um. you'd see out from one of the large yurts. Is an old man, kind of an old elf. He's balding on top with long white hair down his back, and then like a long white beard. And uh, he would approach you, and just kind of put both hands in the air. He's kind of the village elder from the looks of him. At least he looks like the oldest guy in the village. And he would approach you and say, "Well, ho welcome, traveler. What brings you to our humble village?"
0: uh hail, hail and well met, elder. Um, my name is Theron, uh, not Jaeger. Sorry. I've been traveling under a pseudonym, had to think about my real name for a second. Anywho, uh, my name is Theron Not Yeager, uh son of Tyria. My my mother was from these parts, and I'm here to seek guidance.
2: So as soon as you mention the name Tyria, there's kind of a, a pulse that goes throughout the village. At this point, everyone has your, you know, you have, you have everybody's attention. Um, the old man, you know, takes his hands out of his deep pockets, kind of puts them on his hips. And he says, So you're the son of Tyria. Am I to understand that? Didn't know she had any kids.
0: Yes, when she when she left this village she met a human male by the name of Tarek, Not Jaeger, and they fell in love and had a child. Me.
2: He says I'm sorry, was this Tarek from the town of Not Jaeger? Why not just call him Tarek Jaeger? This um, makes no sense to me. <laughs>
0: you and your western ways. Well, in uh in my father's native tongue, Not Jaeger. Basically means hunter of the night.
2: Ah, well, how wonderful is that? He turns to the rest of the tribe and they all just kind of chuckle. And he says, I, I assume that you've brought this war with you. We have no interest in it. And you can stop asking. In fact, stop asking right now.
0: I have no intention of dragging you into the wars of the outside world. I just come here seeking <coughs> guidance and refuge for a short time.
2: As well, I can provide you with refuge. Guidance? Uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. He says, come, nephew. Nephew? Well, great nephew, if I'm being technical, but... Yes, Tyria was my niece, which I suppose would make us some form of nephew. Because I, I haven't read up on the uh, family trees and all that sort of thing. I'll just call you nephew, if that will suffice.
0: That will do just fine, uncle.
2: It's wonderful. That's great, uncle. That much I do know. So my name is Weissen. Come. Drink tea with me. And he kind of turns and the whole village kind of gets back to what they were doing. There's people that are like, you know, taking animal skin and like turning it into leather. Um, there's a couple of people grooming horses, a um, couple herding goats and pigs. As you enter his yurt, you can see he lives a very simple life. He's got maybe three changes of clothes, a um, little bit of dried meat kind of hanging on a rack. Looks like he's working on a painting. He's about halfway done. Uh, the paint is, you know, like very natural colors you'd find out in the woods you know very kind of rustic and he's got a uh, kind of a like a rough spun bed uh with uh, sheep's wool you know inside the pillowcase kind of deal everything's very natural here he would go over to a central fireplace pull off uh, you know a pot of tea and go to pour some for you um now based on the look of it you would recognize it as a tea that your mom made for you a couple of times when you were a kid You remember it being kind of uh, one of those where it's like you go out and you run and you play throughout the day and, you know, you muck around like kids do and you're exhausted. And then you come back inside and you drink a cup of tea and it just perks you right up again. Um, You would also remember it being very sweet in taste.
0: Yeah, it would bring like a like a bittersweet memory and like look to Theron's face, like happy, like he's smiling about the memories. But then there's also like tears forming in his eyes but they never quite fall down his face.
2: I should mention, it's kind of an amber color, the tea is. Very much like um, like a jasmine tea. Um, as you go to take a drink, I need you to make a con save.
0: A uh, con save. Plus zero, so 17. 17? Nice.
2: Yeah, so you avoid spitting it out. The tea that he gives you is very bitter. has a very strong, pungent flavor. And he goes and sips <clears> his tea in complete peace. He says, what, uh, what seems to be the problem, nephew? great nephew
0: um well
2: adequate nephew
0: <laughs> well you see and then theron tells the tale of like how his mother was killed basically the tale of him until he left home so you know meeting the dirty water boys all of their adventures why the war's happening uh everything about nazara and his mother and how theron feels very mixed up in like how he should feel because that at one point, he's like super sad and super like sorrowful for the death of his mother twice and Nazara once. But he also, the instant revenge he got for the death of Nazara feels very, he doesn't know how to feel about it. So he came here seeking help about that. And then also to learn, you know, a different way of fighting because the way he was learning to fight was, he's not going to need that way anymore as much. Totally. Kind of connect with his family's roots.
2: Right. And I say, he um, he would, you know, offer to take the cup of tea out of your hand. And he says, well, I believe the tea is the same. It is the drinker that is different. He says, uh, nothing that has happened has been your fault, my son. He says, you have acted in your best interest of you and your friends. And you need you to learn to accept that sometimes these things happen. Come. He says, you'll meet your grandfather at nightfall. And uh, he would lead you outside, kind of have you help with some of the tasks. You're like the most packing person here, you know, with like armor <laughs> and weapons and stuff. So by uh, by the time night falls, you know, it's a clear night sky, stars in the air, uh crescent moon out. And you would hear kind of these like forced footsteps in the woods, just like a... Uh,
3: uh, 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 uh,
2: until finally, kind of a, a taller, broad-shouldered elf um kind of makes his way out of the woods. You can see in the light of the campfires that he is covered head to toe in blood. Um, he also looks a bit old. He's completely bald. And he's got kind of a thick beard. Not so much long, but more like thick along his face. Um, kind of like an elderly Billy Mays.
0: Okay. Um, would he look similar to the the uncle, Wyson? Yeah. Yeah, he looks
2: similar. Just kind of thicker built. The uncle's kind of more okay. uh, wayfish. The old man comes up to the campfire. Like I said the front of him's just covered in like a big blood splatter. He drops his weapon, which is a, a spiked club kind of on the ground near his seat. You know, kind of looks around and then reaches in his pocket and pulls out like an animal leg and goes to kind of cook it over the fire like a s'more. Then he looks up and notices you and says, "You're new.
0: That that I am grandfather. That that I am."
2: Yep. He takes like a long pause. And he says, So, suppose you're my grandson
0: Yep, that's me. Uh my name's Theron. Uh, it's nice to meet you.
2: Theron? What kind of name is Theron?
0: Just the one my daddy gave me, sir.
2: Yeah. Never liked him. He's a good man. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, yeah. However, even the best man's never good enough for my my old Tyria. He um, takes a big bite out of the animal leg, reaches his other hand across, which is covered and like caked, kind of sticky with blood. And he says, uh, "Yenly, you can call me Grandpa Yenly." You can see him kind of smile a little bit as he like rips more meat off the leg he's cooking it. So, over, so I've kind of got like a like a flash forward. The next couple of months, he'd be teaching you kind of a little bit more about like sword fighting, connecting with your. You know, connecting with nature. He would be like a ranger-druid mix, you know? Very in tune with nature. He never quite got the handle on, like, transforming into animals, but he can make himself kind of more physically intimidating, kind of like when a bird puffs themselves out and freaks out other animals kind of deal. He would go on to tell you, you know, he'd tell you about this uh, ancient temple that they found at the center of the forest. Um, It's pretty much all grown over with, like, vines and trees and um, some grass and whatnot. uh, Moss. But he believes it's an ancient temple of Regalost, because there's a uh, kind of, it almost looks even like a cave that goes down into the ground, but then there's a stone that has the hourglass symbol on it. Um, So he's been working kind of progressively throughout the last few months here, trying to, because it's a rather large underground structure, and he's trying to clear out all the monsters from it, uh, so that his people can reclaim it.
0: Uh, That is, uh, I could definitely uh, help you with that if you'd like. That is definitely a place I'd like to visit.
1: Yeah, think you can handle it?
0: I can handle myself fairly fairly well.
2: As well. Your funeral, grandson. And he uh, eventually leads you out there. Um, like he says, right in the center of the forest, the Ashen Hills. Just like he says, exactly as he described it, there's a point where you're each kind of a clearing. And then there's like a large, almost kind of a mound with like a couple of trees, these large trees growing out of it, kind of at an angle. Uh, a lot of moss. You'd see a couple of squirrels. Um, kind of chittering about, um, and then just a pit in the ground with like a rough hewn staircase leading down into darkness. Um, at this point, Yenli, Grandpa Yenli, he would, uh, kind of give you a look and say, now you're a half, aren't you? Your pappy was a human.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: So can you, uh, you know, see in the dark all that well, did you get that from your mama?
0: Yeah, I have all, I have all my mom's best features.
2: Huh. Certainly not her sense of style.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, nope. Got my clothes from my dad.
2: Yeah, well, we'll work on that. And he says, well, let me show you around. He kind of takes his club, puts it over his back, and boom, boom, boom. Walks down the stairs into darkness. Um, you can see that this is definitely like an older kind of temple. There's many offshoot rooms and a couple of hallways that connect to other areas and various levels of the temple. Um, as you walk down though, the main feature here is kind of like a big, um, looks like when you walk into a church and there's like kind of these stone pews that elves used to sit in when they would worship Regalost with an altar up at the front. As you walk through, could I have you roll perception?
0: Yeah. It's a 10. A
2: 10. You'd be able to recognize multiple animal bones down here. Things like bears and hyenas, um, as well as a couple of like manticores that made their way down here and then kind of got too big and got stuck down here uh, where they couldn't escape. Um, Yenli would point at one of them and be like, yeah, that son of a gun. He was a real pain in the butt. You still got all your fingers, grandson?
0: One, two, three. Yes.
2: Well, check this out. And he takes the ring finger on his right hand and pops it off and you can see that he's missing one of his fingers. Alright, then. Says, yeah, I got a little piece of me, but I got a big piece of him It was delicious. And he, uh, goes and kind of pops his fake finger back on and says, Now, there is one place that I have not been able to access. You see, it's, uh, my brother was always kind of the more spiritual, religious-y one. I was always more, he was all talk. I was all more out of action. Kind of a Jacob and Esau type of deal. And he would lead you down into, uh, inner sanctum, um, kind of behind the main altar. You'd be able to see as you walk in, there's a, um, Kind of a like a stone ring, like a walkway around this central area that's covered in sand, like a sand pit as flush level with the floor, then a stone walkway and a big door in the back, like a black eye uh, a black kind of a granite door with the symbol of an hourglass emblazoned on it, and he says that's the one haven't been able to find a way past that one
0: theron's gonna uh, approach the door and just kind of you know give it a give it a once over check for handles or locks or anything like that see if there's a way to open that maybe yenly just couldn't see
2: totally one thing so this door would look very similar to i know in your backstory you wrote that you like had a vision from regalost oh, um yeah this would look very similar to the door that you saw in that vision so kind of like uh putting some pieces together yeah so so right when you approach the door your your uh, bracers start to glow Kind of like a like a goldish light coming off of it. Almost like a glitter, kind of like radiation. Um, and then the sand in the center of the room starts to swirl.
0: Okay. Theron's just going to kind of like hold his hand up to the door. Or hands, because of his bracers. He's going to just press his palms flat against the door. And attempt okay to go. just push the door. Heck yeah.
2: So, um, as you push the door, it slowly starts to give way. Just kind of stone scraping on stone. Like... Um, at which point, Yenli says, well, gee, Cricket, cricket, would you look at that? You know, your hand, grandson, you're not half bad. But you're not half good either. Somewhere in the middle. At which point, you kind of push through, and uh, you kind of enter, like you're pushing and pushing, and then you kind of fall forward into this dark chamber as the door oh, boom, slams behind you, uh, separating you and Grandpa Yenli. At this point, uh, you'd see a couple of, you know, you're pretty much in pitch blackness, but you'd see a couple of torches light um, kind of around the area Until there's enough dim light to see that you have Entered a library
0: Ooh, books, yay Only thing
2: you notice is that the floor is still Just pitch black, it feels like you're standing on Like like a stone floor um, The bookshelves are You know, they extend further than you can see Into the darkness You'd see that there is a fireplace Probably about 30 feet away And there's an old man in brown robes Reading a rather thick tome Near the fireplace Got kind of a tall back chair, kind of like Sherlock Holmes type chair, like the tall back, cushiony, you know. And there's a similar chair, kind of sitting across from him, as he reads by the light of the fireplace.
0: As uh, Theron walks forward, he tries to get a look at like the spines of the books nearest him, just to see if they say anything on them. Go ahead and roll Arcana. Seventeen. 17? All right.
2: So you can tell that these books, there's kind of a magical energy coming off of them. The books, when they fit in the shelves, they look like they'd be about the thickness of a textbook. But when you take one out, it's like, foom. And it kind of thickens out to be like the thickness of at least two dictionaries.
0: Theron, he does indeed. He like takes one out. And as it it gets bigger, he's like, oh, and he just puts it back and just continues walking forward towards the fireplace.
2: Totally. When you put it back, it shrinks back down into the size to fit in the bookshelf. Uh, The title of the book is just a year.
0: Kind of assume what's going on, looking at all the different years as he walks by, just being amazed at like how long history has been, and yeah, and how
2: long it will continue to be for sure. Some of them are years that have not happened yet. You would also notice. Is he going to take your place in the chair? The old man would kind of look up, you know, stir from his book and look up at you. Hello, Mister. Hello, Mister. How do you know your name? Oh, hello. be like, oh, hello. I was wondering when you'd come. It's very good to see you, my boy.
0: It's uh, it's great to see you too.
2: No, nope, said so very busy. So shall, well, much obliged, of course. He says, "Have you read this one? Real page turner, I swear." But uh, enough about me. And he slams the book. He kind of sets it off to the side. What year says, was talk. he reading? Uh, it would be about thirty years down the road.
0: Okay, just wondering. <laughs> yeah.
2: Season five
0: <laughs> Foreshadowing <laughs> But uh
2: but yeah, so he um he kinda looks at you and kinda leans forward like he's you know really anxious to talk to you. He says, um Well you know as bad as you can I've I've been keeping tabs on you. I gotta say it's it's surprising to me that uh that it's taken you this long.
0: I mean does does uh Is it knowledge that, like, would Theron know whether or not Regalost writes the books? Or does he just read the books?
2: Uh, go ahead and roll religion.
0: Okay. Yeah, nope. Uh, I don't know if he writes the books or reads them. I got a seven. Um. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of like the chicken or the egg, you know?
2: Does he write the books, or does he just read the books?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, I admit I probably could have gotten here a little faster, but, you know... Life gets in the way sometimes
2: Well, that it does just Let me see those gauntlets The Gauntlets, well, what do you mortals Call them again? Well, uh, I, the thing on your arm the, the from I your just wrist call them bracers, <laughs> bracers. What? They're not bracing anything, are they? <laughs> it's not like a support structure of sorts
0: uh, Theron removes The bracers and like leans forward And hands them to the god of time <laughs> Where he got them from to begin with He says, uh, you know, it's, it's very Uncommon
2: for one of my champions to keep their items for as long as you have you see as the person changes their need changes and you're at a crossroads my friend it says your friends will have desperate need of your abilities in the coming war the war that has already begun he says eldora nimbulon magna Kalanon, they will all the need other, you my the friend. other guy yeah that other one the little one yes him too he's pretty self-sufficient though <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he that's they one all need- way to
0: describe him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they will all have need of your abilities, and I'm just afraid these will not cut it anymore. If I'm being frank, and he uh, kind of takes them and shrugs and throws him into the fireplace.
0: Th- Theron like reaches out, like wait, like uh, like almost like he would attempt to catch him, but then not be in time and just realize, oh, he's these are his to begin with. I was just borrowing them, type deal. Yeah, but he does feel kind of lost without him because that's something he's been relying on for, you know, a little over a year, around a year or so. And his arms feel kind of naked without him.
2: He, uh, he says, look, I have something different in mind for you, something a little more potent. And he says, look into the fire, my boy. As you look in the, uh, the gauntlets catch on fire, the fire roars up kind of a green, then an orange and then a blue flame. And uh, you can see the gauntlets kind of reforging, like reshaping themselves like white hot metal in the fire to uh, resemble a sword. Now feel like you remember out for the He says, reach into the fire, my boy. You'll be fine. It's the worst that could happen.
0: Yeah, okay. Theron, just without hesitance, just reaches right in because, you know, you do what a god tells you to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you do what your god tells you to do. He reaches in and grabs... Grasps the blade, or not the blade, the the handle. <laughs> grasps the handle. it would be like of picking the up of the ice cone by the
2: ice cream. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I like this cone. <laughs> he grasps the blade and pull begins to pull it out of the fire.
2: Excellent. Yeah, and as you pull it out, it kind of shifts in color from like white hot to a burning orange to um a a gleaming sword. Go ahead and describe the sword of eons for our listeners.
0: Okay, so Theron, he reaches and he grabs the blade. It is a guardless, uh, long bastard sword. A little bigger than a long sword, but not quite like a great swordesque esque It uh, looks like it could fit comfortably in two hands, but it seems light enough to swing with one. And so the blade itself is just like a, a shiny silver blade. The handle is also metal. It's wrapped in like a green leather. And then sitting in the center of the hilt of the blade, right between the handle and the blade itself, is a little hourglass with just regular sand flowing through it. But later on, that regular sand will look a little bit different, maybe. And yeah, and it has like a faint, a very faint glow around the hourglass itself. And it ha- comes in a back sheath that he can wear
2: just like out of game when you mentioned like
0: swapping God items for my first thought was
2: like thematically that makes sense. God of time over time, your needs change, but I like that you picked a bastard sword because it is somewhere between a long sword and a great sword. And it's like kind of a halfway in the middle, just like, you know, your character being like half elven, half human, you know, it's like thematically it fits with your character too. Yeah. which I think, I think is kind of cool
0: on the, the pommel of the blade of the thorn itself is actually just like a little metal ring, uh, just, to get an idea of what it looks like in your head. Totally. Heck yeah. Yeah,
2: Regalas smiles. And he says, use it well, my boy. At some point, I'll come back for it. Or I'll summon you back for it. I'm excited for you to see the next one. And he winks at you. And then kind of does one of these with his hands like he's flicking you away. And at that point, you feel like uh, one of those toddlers on a leash when the parents yank him back. And they're just pulled from their back. As you're pulled out of the library. Back through those granite, black stone double doors. Into the swirling sand of the uh, inner sanctum, and the doors slam behind you. The sand kind of whirls around you a bit, and Yenly, uh, you can see Grandpa Yenli startled awake. He's like, oh, 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 "I wasn't sleeping." Oh, grandson! Hello.
0: Hello there. I, uh, I got the door open.
2: Yeah, you got it open two weeks ago.
0: Two, two, oh, Oh, yeah. I guess got of, got of time and all that. That makes a little sense. Uh, you've been waiting here this whole time.
2: Well, I—I I mean, I had to go out for bathroom breaks and such. I'm not going to defile a temple of of my <laughs> god. I mean, I'm not an animal, but uh, I, yes.
0: Uh, Theron, like, while it was just like a short meeting, uh, it really, while he was talking with Reginald, it really just seemed to clear his mind and give him a sense of purpose. Touching the like, touching the weapon and feeling like the flow of energy of time through his body. And being in that temple just like he feels like he could do a lot more than before
2: heck yeah well with that uh yen lee is going to um, kind of lead you back ask you all kinds of questions on the way back to the village basically had no idea that you were some kind of godly bigwig <laughs> when did that happen Do you know from birth or when
0: i was traveling with my friends we uh we got some tasks we had to complete and completing those and my, as my as my friend Big Boots would say, we're kind of the the avatars or the champions of our protective deities, and I never quite felt as chosen as the rest of them. And I kind of understand how how Big Boots feels now when he walks around saying, "I'm the avatar of Um just like <laughs> that too. <laughs> I definitely feel like Father Time has my back.
2: As well, he's not the only one, boy. He goes and kind of slaps you in the shoulder, like he's uh, finally sees a little bit more worth in you.
0: <laughs> it's just a little <laughs> bit, though, not a whole lot. <laughs> You've upgraded from adequate to good you know, grandson, <laughs> decent,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he takes you into the village, and you'd see that all the townsfolk, all about 250 elves, are kind of gathered around the central yurt as um, your great uncle Wyson. Steps out of his yurt with a letter in his hand. Uh, the letter's origami to be in the shape of a paper bird. He kind of makes his way through the crowd and hands it to you and says, Nephew, you've been summoned.
0: Theron takes the paper and reads it.
2: Yeah, it is a a summoning from Princess Eldora to the, they call it High Command. It's like kind of the main command base for the coalition forces. Uh, it's about three miles back from the trench. Uh, says so she has desperate need of you and the other dirty water boys. And to come at your uh, earliest availability
0: there and spends just like the rest of the day just you know saying goodbye and stuff planning on leaving out right away the next morning
2: and i say the last thing before you leave um on horseback the next morning uh your great uncle Wyson is going to come out with another cup of tea kind of a you know like the uh teapot and then like a few cups as uh, your grandpa Yenli will also see you off um he's also got a horse he'll ride with you to the end of the forest and then he'll double back to the village Um, But Weissen goes and pours another cup of hot tea, hot amber tea, and uh, hands you a cup, takes a cup for himself, then hands a cup to his brother, Yenli. And uh, this time around, the tea is uh, sweet, just like you remembered it. It just kind of fills you with life and uh, just kind of comment and say, the tea seemed a little bit more agreeable with you this time, great nephew. I can assure you the tea is the same, but maybe the drinker is different. So, Big Boots and Magna, for your gap year, um, you guys start off a little bit more in Midius rests. So you guys are on the airship, the nastier but classier, kind of the flagship of your uh, of your small fleet. Uh, you'd see a crew of goblins that are all scrambling about deck, readying the cannons, you know, loading up gunpowder and all that, getting everything ready as the uh, goblin taskmaster, Gurgle Scab, comes up to you guys with a letter, or rather a note. You can see he's got, like, a little goblin peg leg and an eye patch, but it's, like, on the wrong eye. So he's just kind of, like, handing it to random people at first. And he's like, oh, no, no, not that one. Oh, big boots? No, 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 too tall.
4: Uh, uh, There you are,
2: yeah. Matt. Manga.
1: (laughs) Um, While this is happening, I'm just looking at Magna. So, by the way, Magna, did you know that I'm the avatar of Shathos? (laughs) <laughs> just wanted to reiterate that. Some people were throwing shade, but I get it. You know, I get to remember that I am the avatar of Shathos.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm aware. That's the, the seventh time
1: you've told me that today. Yeah, I got it. If I don't say at least nine times a day, it's not even a thing. Then, you know, people forget. So you've told uh, Bobby 13 times. Well, he's smaller. You get to tell him more. Otherwise, he forgets it. It goes over his head. You're taller. So it, it fits. Bobby it, chimes in. He's like, that's just 13 times
4: today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know how many times you said this uh, this
1: entire week. I keep a counter. Um, tally marks pulled out. It's up to like 45, 46, you know. Oh, uh, yes. Gurgle Gurgle Scab? Gurgle Scab. Yep, yep. Gurgle Scab. Alright, hey. Uh, gurgle Scab. Michael Scab? Tell him? Goigle Scab. Tell him? Goigle Scab? No. Goigle. Goigle. Alright. Uh, thank you for the summons, sir. Did you read it? Uh, d- d- no. Do you know Gee, how I to wonder read Why? It?
2: If it's not in goblin then it's not worth bobbling. that's what my mama always told me
1: Oh very good very good uh, you are dismissed what is the, what does the like letter <laughs> say
2: reaches out and like waits <laughs> for you to take it and he's like thank you
1: and salutes and immediately runs into the mast <laughs> <laughs> real real go-getter that one glad I, I, glad I, I promoted him to a ship boy how long are you gonna let him just walk around with the with an eye patch on the wrong eye we've been through this magna. You can go on one of the other ships to have your human crews. If you're on my ship, we do it my way with my goblins, there, buddy. I've tried to go on my ship, but you won't let me leave. You know, because I miss you. I miss <laughs> you so much. We were we were away for so long, and and now we're back together. <laughs> sure are. Bobby just gives you a thumbs up in the background. Big boots. Yeah, I missed I missed you too, Bobby. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I read the letter out loud to Magna.
4: He's just mad he's taller than than Big Boots now.
1: Yeah, he's definitely taller than Big <laughs> <Yeah>. Boots now.
2: <laughs> definitely had a growth spurt the last year. Yeah, he's kind of, at this point, he's like 11 and a half years old, you know? So he's getting a little bit taller. Um, right on the cusp of, pu- of puberty.
4: Teenage <laughs> scare the hell <laughs> out of Boyce me. Voice cracks. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, so the letter is a, uh, it's a letter from a local fishing village. You guys have been flying your airships kind of along the coast. Uh, trying to protect against, you know, Golden Empire's naval attacks and whatnot. You'd know that there's a dragon, a white dragon named Vladivask, who's been terrorizing the coastal towns, kind of disrupting the food supply. So the gold, you know, the, the coalition army relies on the fish that they provide. And Vladivask has been, you know, destroying towns, sinking sh- fishing ships, the whole nine yards. And you got news that Vladivask is one day away. That He's kind of got his sights set on this village. You know where he's going
1: to be for the first time before he gets there. Well, it looks like the the next job's in hand here, Magna. We got to fight some some white dragon named uh, Vasectomy or something.
4: Let me see that letter so I know exactly who we're talking about
1: here. <laughs> I I have a good grasp on common here. You read it for yourself. It says plainly vasectomy.
4: All right. He, he Magna looks at it and goes, "That's that's that's not Okay. Anyways, how far is this village from here?"
2: Uh, about a day's travel by air. Yep. Right okay. in the southeastern part of this continent.
1: We have all four of our ships, or three of our ships? Three of our yes. ships? Okay. Yep, because one of them got destroyed. Yeah, one got yeah. destroyed. So, all right. Um. All right, yeah, I, I bark the command to, to head towards that the, the location. Heck yeah. As soon as you uh, mention that Vladivask is going to be
2: there, all the goblins start chanting, The White Dragon! The White Dragon! The White Dragon! Kind of like Moby Dick, the White Whale, but a oh. little... D and Dified, uh, but yeah, so the ship turns on a dime and starts heading that way uh, with most with as as much haste as as humanly possible. Uh, a day passes. Um, how do you guys prepare for this fight? So white dragons are particularly tough. Um, would you guys have developed like a strategy this last year for handling dragons? Because this is not the first one that you've fought.
1: What? Yeah, so we've spent the year fighting like scouting air scouting ships supply lines dragons that are protecting supply lines we have some giants with us including my mother little love big boots has accumulated several new titles one of them being the Stormbringer. so what that means is the the giants will ride in on a storm from above and then we kind of come at them from either behind or underneath with the airship And kind of pincher them. Um, Sometimes I also have a harpoon gun. So sometimes I will harpoon onto the dragon and then try to drag them down with the ship. Or I will jump onto the dragon and attack them. Magna will throw me. Magna smites them. You know, anything to get them on the ground in the water. We have an advantage. So that's our main tactic.
2: Totally. Glad you mentioned the harpoon gun. Hell yeah. Harpoons are the second best kind of poon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's my one and done. Sexual jokes over. Well, the second one is National Lampoon. That's the first. Oh, that's oh, the best. Co- name. Of course. Poon.
2: <laughs> Heck yeah! So you guys got kind of a system down. At one point in the night, Little Love would pull both. Um, well, Big Boots, Magna, Kevin in your pocket, and and um, Bobby. Pull, pull, yeah, <laughs> You'd, uh, pull, she'd pull you guys aside, and she you know, she's kind of like if she was in her full giant form, she would easily weigh the ship down being a, a giant, and mm-hmm. so um, she kind of. You know, transforms herself. Like Storm Giants from Season 2, they have the power to shapeshift. So she is in her half-orc looking form. Even though you can kind of tell she's got giant features now knowing what she truly is. She would pull you guys up to the front of the ship and kind of look out, this cloudy night sky, um, like the moon's poking through, a couple of stars poking through. Just kind of pull you guys aside and ask you. She says, look, I, I know that you've had trouble in the past. This, this year's been hard on all of us. So I just want to make sure that any bad
1: blood is past us. I look up to Magna. Um, we're good, right? We're good?
4: Yeah, we're good. I just... The goblins get on my nerves. That's all
1: it is. All right. I mean, you did rescue me from from that, yeah, that dickhead von Spree. So. I did. If we weren't cool, I wouldn't have done that. That's true. That's true. And you used my goblins to do it. So, yeah. All right. Don't, remind, go- me. don't you, remind me. Don't, don't remind you love, me. You're saying you love the goblins is what you're saying. Don't remind me. Don't remind me at all. So. You know every goblin by name. Recite them now, so we all know. I retract my previous <laughs> statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're good, little love. Uh, mama, mama, love, mama, mom, mom, mama, mom, mom. We're good, mom. And she just smiles and says, "Good." It's gonna be. If we're gonna take it and fly to Vask.
2: It's got to be all hands on deck. And she uh, looks at you, big boots, and she says, "And I, I just want you to know that we, you know, we need to make von catching von Spree a top priority." I, st- I don't think I'll ever forgive him for what he did to you. Yeah, uh, I'm still kind of
1: walking with a limp because of that dickhead. But yeah, we'll definitely get him. That's that's numero du- duo. Number one is, is vasectomy in the air. But we'll get him. Yeah, it'll be a real whack job. <laughs> vasectomy in the air.
2: Anyway. <laughs> no, but yeah, she, uh, she's satisfied. She just wants to make sure we're all on the same page. Kind of like a pre-battle, like a meeting, you know, locker room talk kind of deal. And she, uh, she'll head off to the lower decks to, uh, to go to bed. Um, Bobby's also going to hit the hay, call it a night. Um, He's come very far in his paladin abilities, learning from Magna, but he still has, you you would know that he's still got quite a long ways to go being still a child, tries to act
4: more like an adult, but really at the end of the day, he's still a kid. Mm -hmm. That was just kind of forced to grow up a little too early. So like the year before like what magna looks like right now his hair has gone a little bit longer he's he's getting a bit of a shaggy look on him uh he hasn't you know he hasn't cut his uh facial hair at all but uh so it's kind of his face is a little bit of a mess the the armor it's still like it's it's integrity isn't bad but you can definitely tell it's been through some some battles and stuff and the the seawater has discolored it a little bit uh, and the cape that he stole from that general is now kind of wrapped around hi- him like a scarf uh, that he kind
1: of he'll like, you know, throw over his head like a hood if he needs to. Excellent. Hell yeah. Um, do you want me to save my new appearance for when we meet everyone when we do it now?
2: Uh, if you would, if you want to do it now, that's fine. I just know with Alec, um, his his appearance is. Or Theron, rather. His appearance is so drastically different that, like... I, I remember there being, like, a text message. Like, yeah, I'm gonna wait. And then once we all meet back together, everyone will be like,
4: Theron?
1: Okay. Yeah, mine's not hugely different. My new appearance... Uh, I'm no longer wearing the, the pirate hat because I gave it to my grandmother. I'm no longer wearing the Jolly Roger as a cape. I have been promoted to Admiral Big Boots. So I'm wearing an Admiral hat, um, like, like Captain Crunch wears. Yeah. Um, and then I, I do wear a cloak with like shoulder pads. It is red with black, uh, little, little beady things on the shoulders and then black accent marks down the side of the cloak. Very cool. Other than that, he looks the same. Heck yeah. Still got the face tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. SoundCloud, uh, has dropped, uh, it got two listens and he feels bad about it. He doesn't mention it anymore. <laughs> yeah. The hype train
2: has died. Yeah. <laughs> Derailed. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, yeah, so um, that's excellent Yeah, so you guys have gone through some stuff, you know Obviously you're going to change as as things happen to you So that night passes, easy enough Just kind of a wispy
1: clouds in the night sky um, Morning comes um, yep. Do we know what a white dragon's breath attack is? Do we know anything about white dragons? Is this a one in a million type thing?
2: I will say that they are more uncommon Go ahead and roll an uh, investigation
1: uh, 18 total
2: 18? Alright You'd know that they have a cold breath Okay Okay. The uh, morning comes and uh, Gurgle Scab Rings the, the work bell bang, 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 Signaling all the goblins To get to work With Probably around 11 o'clock You guys would see the town uh, Little fishing village um, Can I have both of you go ahead and roll perception
1: uh, 15 19 all right, it's so both of yous, uh, both of
2: yous, guys. Uh, you hear the uh, <laughs> the the din of battle, the commotion. You hear town bells, people shouting. As you kind of look over the the front of the boat, um, flying in the air, probably about four hundred feet in the air, you can see below that the town is already being attacked, and that is being actively attacked currently by by Vladivask. All right, showtime, boys.
4: Man the harpoons.
2: Yeah, and the goblins are all just like white dragon white dragon white dragon all in unison at this point the uh, you know they, they get ready to uh, fire their first volley of cannons at the dragon it's probably about half mile away um, Logan or Big Boots go ahead and roll a um, navigation check navigation is we'll say it's an intelligence based skill oh goody uh, 11 total 11. All right, so you turn the ship to the to the right as they give it a full broadside. Um, roughly a dozen cannonballs fire out from the ship down at Vladivask on the, uh, the ground level, who's just going building to building, ripping it apart with his dragon claws. You know, he kind of seems to, like, glow with, like, a white kind of energy as everything around him kind of turns cold and then and he, like, blasts a building with his cold breath. He gets hit by a couple of the cannonballs as he goes and looks up at your ship's and immediately jumps into the air and kind of starts to fluff his wings as he gains altitude until he's right on level with you guys. And then he lets out a loud rawr- and takes off inland. Uh, we we uh,
1: re- pursue. Pursue is word I was looking for.
2: Hell yeah. Um, one thing you notice also, since he's a bit closer now and he's flying away from you, um, you can see that there is somebody riding his back. He's got a long black cape. Kind of... Um,
1: Well, go ahead and describe what Von Spree looks like. Uh, Von Spree has a monocle, and then he has a scar going down the eye of the monocle. Um, He is, I guess, the horseshoe baldness on top. He has uh, a mustache that curls. Uh, No other facial hair, just a curly mustache. Uh, Basically, imagine, like, a 1920s cartoon villain. Uh, That's pretty much what he looks like. He's a human. He's about (laughs) 6'3". kind of older, about 50, 55-ish in there. Yeah, you'd see him. Uh, he's got a, kind of a long, flowing black cloak. He's got kind
2: of like his armor on, you know. 50's, um, you know, still young enough that he can dragon ride. And he seems to be directing the dragon, kind of telling it where to fly as you guys make your way inwards. Um, you start to gain on it a little bit. And you can see that there's a small range of mountains as you make your way inward about five miles. You can see the mountains off in the distance, you're making your way towards that. And at that point, you would see von spree jump off the dragon and start to um you can see him like kind of magically flying like he cast fly on himself you would assume i'm um, kind of flying down towards the mountain as the dragon
1: circles kind of more towards the peak of the mountain hmm um all right this is definitely some sort of trap <sighs> fuck i want to f- i want to kill von spree but the dragon's big potatoes right now
4: I feel like that the dragon should take bigger priority. That was who we originally
1: came here for. We should stick with the plan. Yeah, as much as I want to get my, my vengeance, I am I think it's good to stay after the dragon
4: unless you feel comfortable with us playing, I can hop onto one of my ships and we. I can pursue the dragon while you take on Von Buttface. <laughs> Do I have a rocky talkie with the giants?
2: Yes. Yeah, they're on the ships with you. Yeah, you have three way communication. Little love, she says she'd be willing to take
1: on the dragon. Kind of go full giant if you guys want to take on Von Spree. I'll take a ship down to Von Spree and then give Magna the other two and then have two giants come with me down to Von Spree. So it's 2 2 and then 3 1. Yeah, Magna's
4: gonna hop on one of his ships on uh, Valky-
1: Valkyrie's Hope to pursue the dragon. Okie okay, yeah, doke. Okay. The other ship Magna. is Magna's too. Magna has two ships left. I only have the nastier but classier. Oh, one of mine got destroyed? I didn't know that. No, no, one of mine got destroyed. Yeah, full but don't thing. we have
4: three each? No, we only
1: had full, two each. No, do we, only had, we three have three each? Yeah, because I, I, had,
4: I had Olympus United. Uh, oh, we did it, we did it, Sebris. And I think, I don't. as far as I know, at
1: least in the thing that you wrote down, none of mine got destroyed. Yeah, not, all yours are fine. One of mine's being repaired. So we should only have four ships right now, I think. Right, Ben? Yeah, you're right. Six ships. Only one has been destroyed, so you guys are down to five. Yeah, okay. So I'll take my two. Megan will take his three.
2: Okay, doke And the dragon names will, or uh, giant names, we'll say Carrie and Boris. Join ya. Okay. Totally splitting the party.
4: It's always it's a great, a great idea. idea. What could go wrong? Big <laughs> <laughs> captured again. So um, we can just go spumoni with the with our rocky talkies. And things go south. <laughs> I like that.
2: That's become a verb. We can spumoni. <laughs> We can (laughs) spumoni (laughs) it. Sounds vulgar. (laughs) Heck yeah! So, as Big Boots, Corey, and Boris, Carrie, and Boris go to uh, pursue Von Spree down towards the mountain, you can see he's a lot more agile than these big ships. You can see he very kind of flies down. He's got a lot of speed. He kind of does a loop back and then to to kind of slow down a bit, and then flies straight into one of the caves
1: in the side of the mountain. I I stop outside the caves. Um, I command my two ships to just level the cave with cannons to fire. Spoke them
4: out, boys!
2: (laughs) (laughs) So they load it up and just open fire. Uh, The mountain's large enough that it's not going to do a whole bunch of damage. I mean, it's pretty much solidly built, aside from the caves. But yeah, you can see it caused a bit of a cave-in. I patiently wait. So while you're waiting, meanwhile... Uh, Magna, Little Love, and the, uh, the goblins on Valkyrie's Hope pursue the white dragon. So it kind of gains altitudes that flies higher and higher towards the peak of the mountain, eventually above the clouds, um, as your ship gains altitude slowly to follow it. As you break through the clouds, uh, you can see that the dragon is nowhere in sight. Out from the clouds beneath you, the dragon comes and rakes its claw up the side of the ship, um, kind of scattering about a half dozen goblins.
4: So Magna's gonna order the harpoon guns to be fired. They're gonna try to get a hold of this dragon to keep him close so that uh, we can either bring him to the ground or like, Magna can get close enough to Misty step onto him to start wreaking havoc. Hell yeah. Yeah, so he's gonna wanna try to get the dragon at least close enough that he can get on there and maybe the giants could get close, to bring him close so the giant. giants can start kicking his ass. Totally. Yeah, uh, so both harpoons hit and they, they start to like drag,
2: they're not so much dragging the dragon closer to you, but they're dragging the ship closer to the dragon because mm-hmm. it's large and very strong and kind of thrashing about a bit as both harpoons and well, one struck in the collarbone and the other struck kind of in the, in the stomach um, until the dragon is pretty much adjacent to the side of the ship. Just kind would of like say he, thrashing,
4: gnashing. Would um, you say he's about like 30 feet away?
2: Question? Yes, I would.
4: Okay, so I'm within range of Missy Step, so I'm gonna Missy Step right onto his back, and then uh, swing my hammer.
2: Hell yeah! You can see that there is a harness there as well, kind of a leather harness around the dragon's back uh, that Von Spree was using.
4: Go ahead and make your uh, attack roll. That is a twenty-four. Yeah, and I'm that also going. Is. I'm going to activate uh, Thunderous Smite and Divine Smite. <laughs>
1: Here you he learn how to use the character.
4: I gotta remember <laughs> paladin, how to do this. paladining. <laughs> we'll do the first one as a level three. With just the warhammer, it was twelve, and then thunder smite was six, and then with divine smite was twenty-three. So that would be forty-one. Quite a lot of damage. Yes.
2: Yeah, you bring your hammer down right on its back. You can see like the scales just kind of give way like the, the soft underbelly under the scales well, its out another like hideous roar um, on its turn it is going to so it does frightful presence which is going to just terrify the goblins like a, like a horde of goblins go rushing at it with their little weapons and then it uses the ability it looks terrifying as it roars and they're just like oh
4: no run away run away
2: as they're running away it's going to cold breath uh, kind of the top deck of the ship um, covering it in ice and like daggers of you know, daggers of deadly ice and whatnot. Um, it is going to do 12d8 to the goblins. Which, uh,
1: should kill them.
4: Oh, no. Like them. <laughs> I, Logan, I killed the goblins!
1: <laughs> I mean, you got humans on your ship, too. So it's not your whole crew, at least. <laughs> no. So that'll be uh, 56 damage
2: to the goblins. So they all just freeze in place, like, um...
1: What's that stuff?
2: Um, Yeah, it's. uh, They'll thaw out. Liquid nitrogen. That's what I'm (laughs) thinking of. Full on, like, liquid nitrogens, like at least 15 goblins on the top deck. Uh, Several humans also get hit. Giant that's left with you uh, is able to kind of wear the damage a little bit better. Let's see, that would be Joro. Joro, the storm giant, is there with you, Magna. He's able to weather it a bit better. He's got a lot more hit points. Thank God for that. Yeah. Juro is going to come up, give him a couple of swings with his great club. Um, Only one of those is going to hit. So he bashes the dragon's head as it roars back and, you know, does its ice weapon. It's a breath weapon. He comes up and bashes the head back again, knocking just a whole bunch of scales off of it down to fall um, through the clouds. So you guys are locked in deadly combat. Um, so, Magna, we are back to you then.
4: All right, Magna's just gonna uh, take another swing at him. That is a twenty-three. Twenty-three will hit. Yeah. So that with uh, let's see, here, thunder smite. So that one is fifteen for the first one, swing, and then the second swing is eleven. So bop bop, oh the the that one hits. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say that was 15 damage? Uh 15 damage. Yeah, and then yeah, that was okay. the first. Yeah, the uh, the first one was 15 damage for the swing. And then real quick, the second. I'm going to give you Yo.
2: advantage on those. Um, I forgot to mention it because you are in the essentially the back of the dragon, storm giants in the front of the dragon is going to give you flanking.
4: Gotcha. Okay, now it's 16. 16 will still miss. Yeah. Okay. And that that's it for my turn. All right.
2: Uh, the dragon's gonna go. It is going to try and claw its back to try and get you off of there. Uh, so it gets two claw attacks. Can't use its bite attack because
4: he can't owl neck it. But uh, <laughs> let's see, claw. That'd be an 18 to hit. That's miss because I'm my AC is 20. Second one was actually less than that. Okay, yeah. So
2: he's just like unsuccessfully trying to claw you off of his back desperately. Um, Storm Giant's going to come up, give him another swing with his club. Rock him for some damage. And so while the dragon fight's going on, um, Big Boots, down on ground level on the mountainside, uh, you can see that um, this cannon barrage of the, uh, the caves isn't having as much of an
1: effect. Did it it's collapse bit- the opening at all?
2: It has. Like, you'd still be able to crawl through it, but it's collapsed a lot of it.
1: I'm yeah. going take one of the, I'm going tell the other ship, um, the fancy but nasty, to circle around the mountain to look for another entrance, and then I'm going to have the two giants Carry and Bortus, um, clear out the the opening a little bit to make it easier okay. for for them to get through.
2: Totally. Yeah, and they're like strong enough. They're, they're full giant form, so they can clear away the entrance well enough that they would also be able to squeeze through. You can see the cavern kind of leads down deeper into the mountain. There is a uh,
1: a point. So so I'm assuming you guys are going inside. I, I just once they clear it. Yeah, I'll have myself and some goblins and the two giants coming with me. I'll have the the ship and then the other ship circling looking for an entrance. If they find an the entrance, blow that up with cannon fire and then have the ship uh, keep on the lookout for anything else that happens. Hell yeah.
2: All right. Yeah, so the uh, the other ships, they they start to kind of circle around, like I said, looking for another entrance. So we'll say about 10 goblins go with you, and then you have uh, Carrie and Boris, and then yourself kind of descending into the mountain um, through this cave. Uh, as you get closer, you start to smell this really strong smell. Could I have you go ahead and make an intelligence roll to uh, try and des- see what it is, unless you are proficient with alchemy tools?
1: That's a five, buddy.
2: Five. yeah it's a very pungent smell you can't quite tell what it is
1: um I I draw I, I draw my trident and tell the goblins to keep their either their fire bolt or their snow freeze ray what are the what are those what do the chili boys have uh they would have the um, chill touch chill touch just just have that ready have the weapons ready
2: kind of at the ready. You know, five of the goblins, their hands start to kind of burn like torches. The other ones, you can see like snow, kind of uh, snow and like like freezing vapor, kind of circling their hands as they get ready with the little clawed empanada-like fists to do battle. There's a point where um, the cave ends and opens, you know, this mountain, kind of deep in the mountain, opens into a larger, wider chamber. Um, you can see the ruins of an old dwarven city, kind of like ancient ruins type, you know, buildings have all, a lot of them have collapsed in. Um, you can tell this used to be a mining settlement. You hear a loud bang as, you know, probably 50 torches all light kind of around the uh, the outside of this chamber, illuminating the city, giving you dim light vision. And across the way on top of one of the buildings, you see a shadowed figure. As he stands up erect, you know, lights kind of make their way all around, and you can see that it is Von Spree. He kind of uh,
1: thaumaturgies his voice. He says, well, Big Boots, how wonderful, how wonderful that you could join us today. Uh, why don't, come, why don't you come down here and fight me like a man, you shambling bag of turds? Ah, always with the
4: wit. I can see that you received my letter.
1: Yeah, I, it seems so. Um, Obviously, this is a trap. Go and spring your trap so I can beat it and then kill you.
2: Oh, you will try.
1: And I will win. Your blood will be on my trident today, I swear it.
2: The only blood on your trident will be that of your friends and family.
1: Um, well, well, come down here, come on. Hey, 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 funds free. I got a present for you in my pocket, come on down here, come on. I care not for your gifts.
2: I only care for your death! And he goes, and you'd see him reach and grab a horn of blasting as he blows it, kind of echoes throughout this entire central chamber um, enough to kind of start to cause a cave-in inside this central mountain chamber he kind of throws the horn away after he blows it, and then says, toodaloo, we'll see you next time you come into one
1: of my traps and then he dimension doors out of the mountain Uh, I can do that too, dickhead, I dimension door also out of the mountain (laughs) excellent,
2: the goblins and storm giants don't have that ability Unless you take a few of
1: them with I, you, I, I'm gonna what try are we to the deets on. Uh, it's one willing participant, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see. I don't want to fuck. No, I don't want to fuck over the giants. Those are those are some <laughs> big important things. Is, is it the collapse is coming in from top, all around? Like, uh,
2: yeah. I mean, this whole place, the the whole interior of this kind of subterranean interior of the mountain is
1: collapsing in. Um. I. I. I Jump up onto the shoulder, or I crawl up onto the Giants and tell the Goblins to do the same and say, let's book it out of here. Run back the way we came. Heck, yeah. Um, go ahead and make me a dexterity saving throw.
2: That's a nat 20. Holy shit. Nice. Yes, you're able to dodge the uh, the falling stones easy enough. Um, Carrie and Boris. Boris makes it. Carrie does not. Carrie uh, kind of gets hit by a couple of rocks. One of them, you can see, pops her shoulder out of place as her arm hangs limp and she's just kind of dragging along approximately five goblins do not make it as they get hit by crushed falling debris. Um, as you make your way back to the, uh, the tunnel entrance, you hear just like this deafening noise of rocks falling, ancient ruins, crumbling the interior of the mountain, just giving way Magna. You would also be able to hear that from above. It sounds like a bomb going off now, by the time you, you know, big boots, um, Carrie, Boris, and the five remaining goblins make it out to kind of the uh, the landing area, out just outside the cave. There's a huge plume of dust that shoots out, and the goblins all start uncontrollably sneezing. Ah, uh, that asbestos um, will get you guys. I'm sorry.
4: Allergy season. What can I say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> As I kind of panning back up to the top, uh, Magna, you hear that huge explosion happen from beneath the clouds. How do you respond? You're currently on the dragon's back.
4: Um, Magna. Magnet kind of he'll look down in that general direction and then kind of look back to what he's doing because he's he's got his hands full right now. <laughs> he can't really defer his attention to two things at once right now. He, he's kind of at yeah, the moment he's kind of trust. Job. Yeah, he's kind of trusting that whatever's going on down there, Big Boots has got it under control. He he does he does want to try to finish this quickly so that he can uh, assist if needed.
2: Absolutely. You'd be able to tell this thing is taking quite a beating. Like, it's got several large uh, chunks of scales missing from around its neck, where the giant Joro has bashed him with his club. And then on its back... My other two ships are nearby, large... right? Uh, they are, yeah. They're kind of keeping okay. their distance a bit, kind of just making a perimeter, just because, like, they don't want to shoot the dragon and then accidentally miss in friendly fire.
4: Fair enough.
1: You know, <laughs> I was going to say, like, there's... please have them shoot the thing while you're on its back. Like, I would just love to see them. <laughs> Just you get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> New character um, time. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> so real quick question, you said so he's he's basically an ice dragon, right? Yes. Would that ba- would that mean he's weak to fire damage? Go ahead and roll
2: history. We'll say roll history or nature. Uh which one do I have? Higher. Does not matter. Eighteen? Eighteen. You'd know that he's not weak to fire, he's just resistant to cold.
4: Um, with searing smite it says next time you hit a creature Does that mean after So if I hit him with my first attack But activate searing smite Does that mean it's just going to carry over To the next hit I land On the yes. dragon okay. That's how I understand it yeah Okay so then what Then I'm going to I'm gonna take a swing at the dragon
2: Okie doke And because you're still flanking with Joro
4: um, Both of your attacks get advantage uh, 19 That'll hit Alrighty, so that'll be with Thunderous Smite, and I'm act- gonna activate uh, div- uh, Level 1 Divine Smite as well. Alright, so that first attack for damage is 32. Not bad. And then I'll activate Searing Smite level 3. Excellent, level 3? Good deal. Yeah. So the first hit,
2: really claw, like claws, you know, your hammer claws down deep into the White Dragon. Uh,
4: second hit my is uh, the 26 that's not the damage that's the that's for the swing oh, that, that one, yeah, yeah yeah okay and then then for the searing damage so 8 plus 10 is 18 I shit you not he actually
2: had 18 hit points left like on the oh. dot yes yeah, he had 50 and then you did 32 and 18 so yeah uh, that last hit you know like fire covers the head of your warhammer and you hit down uh, into the spot where the wings connect with the spine and both yeah! wings kind of fall limp as the dragon's head kind of thrashes about and finally lands uh, perpendicular to the, um, the the top deck of the ship, kind of crushing several of these frozen solid goblins in the process, just shattering them, like this, like I said, like liquid, liquid nitrogen.
4: Magna's going to hop off the dragon in uh, order for the ship to be brought down to, to ground level.
2: At that point, then- Bobby comes out with his little war hammer. He's like, yeah! he looks around.
4: Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, he's going to order the other two ships to head towards the source of the, towards uh, Big Boots location. He'll meet up with them uh, as soon as he's done with this. Okay, awesome. Big
2: Boots, you'd be able to reconnect as well with the ships that were making their way around the mountain. They, uh, they found that there were two other entrances, essentially three points of entry into these dwarven ruins in the mountains. Um, they ended up blowing up both of them, but there is no sign of Vonsprey.
1: All right, uh, great job, guys. Uh, Yeah, he uh, he pulled a magic move and got out of there. But yeah, I'm I'm unharmed. The giants are okay, besides the dislocated shoulder. Yeah, and that'll just take a little bit of time to heal. Little level helper with that, kind of pop it back into place. Okay, I got five goblins survived out of the ten. Yep. Okay. Yeah. uh, Just try to reconnect with the uh, other ships and Magna.
2: Heck yeah! So by the time you guys are all able to kind of reconnect near the ground level of the mountain. Um, This dragon is still harpooned to the side of the ship. So as you guys rest, the whole hulking mass of the dragon kind of eases up some of the tension. Like when the ship was descending, the Valkyrie's Hope, it's like slanted, you know? (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, they're able to, you know, cut the harpoons. Then the whole dragon just flops off onto the ground and kind of starts to curl up like an insect, like a wasp that's been hit with raid. Um, The goblins immediately start harvesting meat off of it. I was going to say the goblins take their spoils. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, no Von Spree,
4: but you did kill Vladivask. Um, So that's, uh, you know, a win is a win. Um, I I, can we so the 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 goblins are going to probably scrounge that or scavenge that Uh. Dragon clean. Is there any way we can keep the skull? That way we can pr- show to the village that was attacked that you know the dragon is no more for them to worry about. Absolutely, yeah. So. And actually,
2: um, that same day you'd be able to take the head back to the village, and they are thrilled um, that it's that it's gone as they start their rebuild, you know, mourning and rebuilding process. The dragon took
4: out about a third of the village. Sorry, it took us so long to get here. We 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 tr- we start heading your guys' way as soon as possible. However. I can we did succeed in uh vanquishing this dragon and he will sh- show him the head. the, the uh head fisherman kind of comes up and rests his hand on the head of the dragon.
2: Um there's a point where uh the whole town comes out just to kind of see and the um the dragon's eyes it's like it, the the head is starting to dry out a little bit and so one of the eyes that was closed like the skin wrinkles and it opens up and it causes the entire town
4: to just like shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> magnus gonna pretty much just tell them you know hey we're you know we're we're here right now we would like to we i have men we uh I have, we can offer assistance to help you rebuild and uh set yourselves up to defend yourselves from potential future attacks
2: the head fisherman just kind of looks at looks at the village and says yes i think we can scrounge something up and he smiles and All right um yeah so like you know, they're rebuilding the town, kind of some of the ice is thawing from the breath attack. Um, They would also help to kind of repair the ship that the dragon was harpooned to. It kind of wrecked, like mangled that side of it, you know. Heck yeah, by nightfall, uh, Gurgle Scab would come back up to both of you guys. Oh, he and, survived. Uh, Good for him. <laughs> <he> did, yeah. <laughs> and he, um, he's got the eye patch on the right eye this time. And he's kind of looking around. He's like... That was a mighty good job we did there, boys.
1: Yeah, you did your part. Uh, I hope you got some dragon to eat. You did a great job there, cowboy. He
2: just kind of happily pats his belly. You can see it's kind of like protruding out like it's just full of dragon meat.
1: You got a food baby. I got (laughs) you.
2: Oh, yes. The best kind of baby. Yes. And he says, uh, I got another letter for you. And um, it's origami paper bird. Okay. Uh, Where'd you get this from? It just kind of flew into me. looked like it was on the way to somewhere, and I thought it'd be fun to try and catch it. So I was running after it and running after it, and it kind of turned around a little bit and flew right into my chest.
1: Oh, thank God I didn't take out your other eye. My goodness. Yeah, I've only got four more of those. Kind of opens his pocket. Yep. Yep. Yep, you do. Good job, buddy. And I just kind of, like, rustle his head. (laughs) Rustle his (laughs) hair. If he has hair. Um, He's
2: got a little, some greasy black stringy hair oh, okay good for him <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> like a balding of worm tongue
1: you know yeah, they uh, got the hulk hogan going on
2: <laughs> absolutely
1: All right. Uh, I, I bring the letter to magna and i open up with him and magna and little love heck
2: yeah it is the same kind of letter from theron summoning from princess eldora to high command that they have need of your skills and services at the end of the letter it mentions to um we all miss you then signed princess eldora
4: I guess this means that we got to head back then. He's going to turn to the head fisherman. And uh, I understand that, you know, you're, you you guys are still rebuilding and stuff. But at the moment, my friend and I have to leave to meet up with the princess. Is there any way I can leave you uh, some of my men and the my ship? And he's going to point at the Valkyrie's Hope. He's like, could I ask you guys to also maybe repair that? And then once it's done, they can meet up with us. Yes, of course. The uh, lead fisherman's more than happy to tackle the task. I appreciate it. So he, Magna's going to order some of, the, uh, some of the other goblins and soldiers and stuff like that that they have to hop onto the uh, other two ships or other ships that we have to head towards Princess uh, Eldora? Eldoria, Eldora, yep. Okay, good. Well, and yeah, he just salutes.
2: And the uh, the last thing you guys would see before heading northwest to uh, head command, you know, the town just kind of slowly starting to rebuild and heal.
4: We did All good right. today, Big Boots.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I almost died. You killed a dragon. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> just another day in the office. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back. We're back from outer space from our break. Shady's back, back again. Hey, boys, uh Dirty Water Boys, how we doing? And Ben. Benny Water Boys. We're great. Season 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh we're here with the plugs. Uh real quick announcement. We are going to do a live show uh real soon in June. This will be out in May. So next month, um I don't know the appropriate details as recording, but by the time this comes out, maybe there will be. So, Logan, cut here if you have appropriate details. Why, yes, past Logan. Me, future Logan, I do have appropriate details. Thank you so much for, for setting me up and tying me in. And uh, you're so good at podcasting. Good job, love. past Logan. And future Logan, listen to this later on. Yes, yeah, so, live show details. Uh, very, very excited about this. Been sitting on this for a little bit, been organizing it. Uh, I'm here to announce the date and announced that tickets are on sale as of now. So, the date is June 25th, 2022. It's going to be in McCookada, Iowa, at the Tiny Pond Theater. The address is 106 South Main Street in McCookada, Iowa. Again, Tiny Pond Theater. So, how are you going to pay for tickets, you're wondering? Well, that was the longest thing about figuring out what to do. Um, I thought about doing a, a website... Um, but I didn't want to build a website, I didn't want to pay for a website, pay for for someone to set the website. Didn't want to do that, because it was just a lot of time and money I didn't want to deal with. Thought about doing a hosting site, but they take a lot of money from the cut and everything, and then it's also like to make you pay a monthly membership. It was just going to be a big hassle. So, taking inspiration from my punk and ska punk roots that I love so much, we're DIYing it, baby. Just like the punk community, they're all DIY. This guy right here is DIY, stands for do-it-yourself. So... What we're doing is, uh, you can either DM any of the social medias of uh, Lost Legends, so Lost Legends Tot at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Set up a DM, say, "Hey, I want tickets." Oh, how much? All right, cool. Blah, blah, blah. Tickets are twelve dollars, by the way. Um, and we will set up through a Venmo payment or PayPal through my personal account. I know it's a little shady, but like I promise you, the show is happening for real. So you could do it that way, and then we'll set it up through there. I'll put your name on the list. Tickets are very, very limited. The show, the place is called Tiny Pond Theater. It's called that because it is a very small black stage, uh, black box stage theater. Tickets are very limited. They're going to go quick. Uh, So please DM that. Or if you're not comfortable DMing us, if you don't have social media or whatever, um, you can also call the theater by phone. Uh, You can do that at 563 659 7727. Again, 563-659-7727, six, six, seven, 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 or 563-321-9862, 563-321-9862. Three, three, that will get to the, the theater directly, you can pay by phone there, get your name on a will call, or you can go to the theater itself in Maquoketa, they have some tickets there, you can buy them in person, hang on to them and everything, and just hold on to the sweet little ticket. Uh, I got the tickets printed up. Uh, on the back side, it's the, the little program, like it's a play. has their names on the back. It's pretty cool. Uh, I paid for perforations on the tickets. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I, I'm i stupidly excited about these these tickets. I'm going to cherish it forever, as you should also. So, again... DM any of our social medias to talk to me. Um, I'll do it. If you know me personally, hit me up with a a text to Instagram, whatever, or meet me in person, get the ticket, whatever you want to do. If you know, uh, I know some of the other guys are going to have tickets. I know Alec will probably have a couple tickets. Um, So please hit us up. Tickets are $12. The show starts at six o'clock. Doors are at five. Please come and uh, get snacks and stuff from the venue. The venue has a really cool little selection, has its own little small kitchen. So you can get snacks and sandwiches and smoothies and coffee and stuff. So please get that stuff beforehand because we don't want the smoothie machine running while we're while we're there. Because we're going to try to record it. Um. So yeah, get all this stuff early. And then afterwards, after the show, there's a bar next door. We're going to go over there and hang out and everything with everyone after the show. Uh, It's going to be fun. It's going to be about a two-hour show. It's just going to be a ton of fun. I, I'm super excited about this. So I put a lot of work into getting this set up and everything. There's going to be merch available. And this is going to be like limited edition merch that like... We're not gonna have on our merch store, which we're, I'm gonna plug here in a second, in the old recording, old pass me, plug to the new merch store, Uh set up the new merch store. So the merch at the show will be limited edition because it's got like hats, and we're gonna we're printing off little D and D minis of each of our characters, so you can buy the Dirty Water Boys and play in your own tabletop adventures. Uh Again, Tiny Pond Theater, June 25th, 2022. Uh, again, DM us, uh, Lost Legends TOT, DM me, uh, we'll do it through Venvo or PayPal, uh, or you can go to the sh- the venue itself, or call the venue, and yeah, I'll hand it off to past Logan again here to finish up the episode. Thanks for the info, Logan, you're real handsome and great in, it, in everything you do. Um, it's All right, just so- gorgeous, <laughs> it's like a stick of butter.
0: Ugh. Logan, I really, I really liked the accent you did there for that. Oh yeah. That was really
1: yeah, so great, isn't it? Um and then also uh Sterling going along with the other plugs. Sterling, your stream is popping off, my dude. Good job. Hard work in there, man. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh first time you spoke on the episode too cuz we did the other heroes. Backstory. Yeah. I know. Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah, I Sterling
3: had been a- <laughs> here the whole time, just oh, hiding, just hiding. Um so you want me to plug the uh the Patreon? is that it.
1: Oh, you can plug your stream real quick. Oh, I my so my, my stream.
3: um so um i'm chaotic goodmage on a variety of platforms but on twitch i do uh various games a lot of rpgs and um stuff like that i used to play overwatch which was um big amongst us um, Mm -hmm. because we're all big overwatch people but um um I, uh, on Saturdays, I typically do cooking streams from those various games. So, like Legend of Zelda, Overwatch, the aforementioned. Uh, I go through D and D's Heroes Feast, uh, Fallout, uh, all sorts of things. So, like I, uh, I have a good time over there. So it's uh, Twitch.tv uh, slash get a good mage.
1: Hell yeah! Uh, you're doing some great stuff over there. You're you're getting you're a very successful streamer and on your way to be even more so. Oh so, yeah! Congrats, sir. It. Thank you uh alec you want to plug our patreon real quick
0: i do hi guys uh to follow the dirty water boys and support us you can go to patreon.com slash lost sleep where you get some great things like stickers and bonus episodes and even every now and then play a game with some of the dirty water boys and one of us dming uh we did just recently do that during our break and we had a really good one shot and it was fun
1: Yes, sir. Uh, again, that's lost sleep. You get stickers, you get bonus episodes, all Thank that. You. Another little bit of thing, a little bit of update. Uh, I have finally updated our merch store. You can go to Redbubble.com and search Lost Legends D and D. Got some new designs up there and everything. Get your merch, rep it for the live show if you want, or just rep it and put a sticker on your water bottle or get a cool hoodie. Whatever you need. There's a smoke bomb uh, logo. We got the dragon head logo finally. There's the Dirty Water Boy logo, of course. Uh, and then the I Potato Magna logo also, as of right now. So yeah, uh, go to Redbubble.com, search Lost Legends D&D. Uh, ben, you got anything to plug there, Cowboy?
2: I just, uh, you know, still plugging away at the the old novel. The have done Na- Na- NaNoWriMo two times and uh, won both times. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a manuscript of about 110,000 words, and I'm working on paring it down and editing it. If I could get, like, a solid 70,000, I feel like that would be would be comfortable with that, Um, you know, setting up query letters and stuff. So that's something that's an ongoing project, and, uh, yeah, I'll just kind of keep you updated as we, uh, as we proceed through Season
1: 3. Yeah, so at some point we might have a link to plug for a published book, maybe. Yeah. Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, it'll be a collection of short
1: horror stories. Is, is what it is. Your face looked like you wanted to say something, Mr. I,
3: I did. So why don't you plug your WordPress slash beauty, the dungeon master?
2: I, I haven't done a whole lot with it. If you want to check it out, it's a oh. uh, beauty, the dungeon master. Um, Yeah. It's every time I go to work on my blog, I'm like, Oh, I should be working on my novel. This whole internal conflict comes oh, out yeah. and yeah, I just no, end I've, up I've working on the novel. I figure it's like mentally it's like, Oh, that's the higher priority. You know, the blog is just for funsies. But I've got some ideas of things that uh, I want to put in the blog and I just haven't gotten
1: around to. One of these days. So keep an eye on it. He will update it at some point again, probably. Right? Yeah. what you're saying? Yeah.
3: All right. All right. Uh, One of these days, I'll also get my stickers.
0: <laughs> yep If he gives you your stickers we can't make jokes about it anymore.
3: <laughs> Yeah I that's know, true I, I You're never it's getting them Self-fulfilling prophecy
1: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, was, I mean I haven't really seen you I saw you running once uh, while you're running Doing your exercise and strongman stuff yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that I haven't seen you Since I dropped the mic off yeah, um,
3: uh, And that was actually from like a uh, 30 foot distance too
1: Yeah that was like Very beginning <laughs> pandemic I'm like oh we're gonna stay over here I'm um, <laughs> jog to you jogged your car Yeah, Uh, the live show. I'll see you. Get your stickers to the live show. How about that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) In two months, unless we run out of them. Holding the breath. (laughs) Uh,
1: You can also check out our uh, social medias: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Lost Legends TOT. Join our Discord. Um, I kind of want to start watching movies in there with people, have some fun doing that stuff. Uh, Thought about doing like live listen alongs when an episode premieres if people want to listen along, do that stuff. Uh, So yeah, keep an eye on the Discord. Uh, Links to the Discord are in all the socials. Uh, Joe, you got anything to talk about? No. All right, go and lead us lead us back into the episode, cowboy. Me? Yeah. Just say all right, back to the show, something like that. (laughs) All right, back to the show, kids.
2: So Kalanon's Gap Year. Uh, So there's the, um, you know, right after the battle at Moonhaven, there's the uh, Great Convocation where the uh, world powers in this neck of the woods, this part of the continent, met together and united into what has become known as the Great Coalition. So for the other Dirty Water Boys, they left and had various adventures and trials, tribulations during this gap year. Kalanon, your character being so close with uh, Eldora has not been able to find your, you haven't been able to find yourself able to leave her side, you know, Mm -hmm. her being your, you know, one true love, all that kind of deal. And her being yours as well. Um, This is just kind of, you know, takes place during the gap year. You would wake up, you have a, they they have a pretty well furnished tent for you. um, Relatively waterproof. It's kind of magicked so that it's like a little warmer on the inside. Uh, at night um keeps good temperature uh you'd have a cot that you sleep on um you're on one side of the tent. the tent is rather large um you sleep on one side, and potato sam sleeps on the other
3: of course, of course, uh with uh, a silent spell cast in his general area 'cause after that first day of snoring i just i just kind of
2: oh and he absolutely snores, yeah, full on old man snore. You know, where it just rattles the windows in the house kind of deal. Yeah, so it'd be, you know, the fourth day of rain in a row. Uh, your tent is back. You you kind of see high command from where you're at, about a football field away, among other tents in the area. Different commanders, lieutenants, sergeants, kind of the officers um, in the back. As you exit the tent to get ready for your morning duties, um, you would hear the sound of hoofs, you know, just beating it through the mud as this rain kind of drizzles around you, um, as the riders of the uh, the B Force storm past you and just spray you with mud.
3: <sighs> so I'll just um, kind of wipe it down, wipe it wipe it off as best as I can. There's no prestidigitation for clerics, but like
2: we'll say. Uh, so one of the like the last riders in this group, probably about a hundred of them, just thundering down the uh, the alleyway here between tents. One of them stops, kind of pulls his horse back very uh, theatrically. Um, you would know that this is pretty on brand for the the Brazen Fellowship of Riders, which is the B F O R, as, as they call themselves, the B Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm
3: starting to pick up on it.
2: Yeah, and uh, he stops and apologizes, and uh, you know brings his helm up. He's covered in heavy armor. Brings his helm up, and he says, uh, "Greetings, there." Civilian. Oh, Caledon.
4: Sir, I didn't see you, and he salutes.
3: Uh, I return <coughs> a salute. Uh, that's alright. Uh, how was the, uh, the morning excursion?
2: Glorious. We're just heading out to take the old sawmill. Says with any luck, it'll be ours by sunset.
3: Well, may the sun guide you upon this day.
2: And to you, my friend. And he kind of, like, salutes out puts his helm down, and then takes off after the other riders.
3: Alright, I'm going to shake a little bit more mud off of me.
2: You know that the uh, the old sawmill is one of the locations in the stretch of no man's land. It's about a three mile stretch between our trench and their trench. And uh, kind of one of the old places that's been fought over a dozen times already in the war.
3: Yeah. So, <clears throat> is there an optimism that it's actually going to be this time, or is it just like the best hope that they have
2: for the brazen force of riders, They are nothing but optimism uh, for everybody else. They're just like, Oh, well, here goes more of them. So, okay. so the, uh, the, the first morning duty on, on your agenda is helping potato Sam cook breakfast for the soldiers. Potato Sam's already up and kind of ready to go so he can get everything prepped. Um, and then he, he's got kind of a large mess hall where you and a couple of others have, um, you know, you kind of take, you're like the scoopers, For the food that he creates.
3: Absolutely. I don't want to keep Sam waiting.
2: Totally. Yeah. As soon as you walk into the mess hall, uh, it's kind of a large kind of rectangular shaped tent, almost like a circus tent. Um, You hear that, uh, you know, a couple of tables are singing old songs. Um, There are a couple of tables where the guys have already broken out bottles of wine. It's probably like eight in the morning, already broken out bottles of wine and they're like sharing drinks and stuff, passing war stories. Uh, Potato Sam comes right up to you with an apron in one hand and a whisk in the other, and he's like, "Well, count on! I thought y'all never wake up."
3: Oh well, uh, hi, Sam. It's uh, it's been uh, quite a day. I just was out for a
2: walk.
1: Oh yeah, I can tell by it looks of you. Looks like you're covered in mud,
2: huh? I ain't been covered in mud since uh, well, yesterday. But be that as it may, was, wasn't that long ago? His boy, I tell you what. We gotta do something about this. He kinda snaps a finger. Yeah, he snaps one of his fingers and, or two of his fingers, technically speaking. And, uh, one of the, like, the mages comes over from Atten, and the mage just kinda looks at you and he's like, You gotta keep yourself clean. Cleanliness is next to godliness, my dude. My boy, my friend, my guy, my fella. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm.
3: Uh, that's kind of a antiquated phrase. It's it's all about the faith, but I uh, I appreciate although uh, you can be very close to to godliness and still be soiled. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, excuse me. It depends on the god, as I guess is what I'm trying to say.
2: I suppose you must be worshiping a god of mountainous. Mm-mm. And he goes and kind of gives you the magicy like doobly doobly. And all of a sudden, you know, Presta digitates the mud off of you. Potato Sam just smiles, flicks him a copper piece, then hands you the apron.
3: All right, Sam, what did you want to do today?
2: Well, I figured we could do our regular. Mashed potatoes, a little bit of meat, get some hash in there. Spices? mm Mm-mm.
3: Sam, don't you think we could possibly just maybe change it up a little bit? Just- so that the soldiers have something unexpected.
2: Today. What'd you have? What'd you have in mind, there, partner?
3: I don't know. Maybe some some garlic. Something something nice. Something that adds a little bit of, of color. Um, do we have chives? Maybe get some green in there. Um, something.
2: Say no more. I got exactly what you're thinking of. And he kind of rushes back to like the cooking area, and pulls over a carafe. He pops open the lid and hands it to you. He says, give that a smell.
3: Um, so I uh, take it and I just kind of, um, as if it was like a, oh, here I am actually making the motion, hitting my mic. Like a decanter of wine. Just to kind of give it a, give it a smell.
2: It smells like uh, hot sauce. But it's got the consistency of gravy, but it smells like hot sauce. Oh, uh,
3: What kind of hot sauce are we talking?
2: Uh, we'll say like, uh, I think it's te- tepatillo. It's one of the oh, ones that they have
3: like at the, the Mexican mildest. restaurant. Yeah, the mildest of hot sauces. Well uh, that'll be certainly bring a little bit of heat, uh, to the men. Uh, what what uh what kind of vegetables do we happen to have laying around? Vegetables. Vegetables.
2: Well, we got a little bit of onion.
3: A little bit of onion. Do we have any of that spring onion?
2: Spring onion? Let me uh let me roll that investigation check. Uh yes. Yeah, we got about a box load.
3: All right. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll have the box uh, and go ahead and I'll grab uh, one of the knives and I'll go get to get to that. And we'll go ahead and we'll spice up uh, the men's, uh, the soldier's meals with both flavor and color.
2: Wonderful. And he smiles at you and gets back to work, you know, can I have you go ahead and roll a, uh, we'll say a sleight of hand to uh, chop the onions very well. Very finely.
3: We're Starting off. Sleight of hand. Well, that's not good. But let's help. My dex saves me a 13.
2: 13? Yeah. So you're able to cut it without like chopping your fingers at all or any, you know, unfortunate cuts, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you're chopping the onions. Um, kind of once you get like a bunch of them, you're able to kind of throw it in as Potato Sam whisks it together with mm-hmm. the uh, with the potatoes. He ends up finding some cheese as well, which he's able to chop as well. It kind of like, you know, the potatoes are nice and hot with the onions in it. And he melts a little bit of cheese on it to give it a little bit extra color, a little, a little bit extra presentation. And he's kind of had a, a falling from grace. You know, he started off as a personal chef of the king. And now he's mass producing meals for an army in this dreary war without end. But uh, he still seems like pretty happy. You know, as so, long as he's like, feeding people, he's happy. Pomelago? Say again.
3: Uh, Palmoligo. Uh, it's like cheesy potatoes.
2: Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying a person's name.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, it's, listen, listen. Uh, if you're lactose intolerant, you, you need to double up on this because this is, oh, it's so good. It's the best type of cheesy potatoes out there.
2: Heck Yeah. But uh yeah, eventually soldiers start coming in for breakfast after about an hour. And they have this, um you know, the first one that comes in, he's got like his tray. He just kind of looks, and you see his eyes light up. And he says, oh, Kalanon, looks like we're eating good today, hmm? Really, how did yourself. sell? Oh, just
3: trying to change, it, change things up a bit.
2: Yes, change things up a bit. He's very nice. Uh He says, I think I speak for all of us when we are... um you're grateful for for this gesture
3: of course of course i think you I, listen uh i just want you guys to be uh as happy uh as you can in in this situation and sometimes uh, you can just find that in a little bit of a meal so enjoy
2: See the third one in the line kind of he's a little bit more scrutinizing you know he gets like the potatoes on his plate whop, and he kind of looks at it and he's like well what do we have here? Oh, is that a hair? I'm
3: sorry. Did, did he say hair or a hair, a hair? Well, there shouldn't be a hair in there.
2: All right. <clears throat> what is this? An army kitchen? Or, uh, uh yeah, I don't this even is, know.
3: This is, uh, <laughs> some semblance of an army kitchen. Yes. Uh, it's just potato salmon myself. Just serving up meals.
2: And with a smile, no doubt. Look at that. That's an award-winning smile right there. And he goes and kind of comes up and like pats you on the cheek a little bit. And he says, I tell you what, Cali boy, we'll let this one slide, huh? And he goes and picks out like a non-existent hair. He's just being a shit, you know. Picks uh-huh. out a non-existent hair from the mashed potatoes and kind of like drops it on the ground. says, yeah, much obliged there, buddy. Much obliged. They probably about 300 soldiers end up coming through your line um, in the next hour so I mean it is very it's like multiple people scooping these potatoes from the trough onto uh, onto their plates as they go out and eat and the next wave kind of comes in cycles Uh, by the time everything's said and done dishes are washed everything's cleaned and put away and ready for the lunch meal it would be probably about noon at which point um, you know potato Sam would uh, ready you up a plate as well basically you have from noon to 1230 to eat and then 1230 about 1230 is uh, when your second great morning duty or great daily duty comes in, which is to be an assistant to princess Eldora, mm-hmm. kind of her right hand man.
3: All right. Um, so after um, I finish the first portion of there, I am going to go change uh, outfits because um, despite this, the, the sulliness of it um, being cleansed, I do want to make sure that I am in proper dress for, um, uh, my, uh, secondary, my second duty.
0: Heck yeah.
2: Um, yeah. We'll see even like a nicer pair of clothes. That's kind of more official, you know, befitting mm. your, your place as kind of the uh, princess's gopher, like go for this, go for that. As you approach the, uh, high command, it's kind of, this is high command. Isn't really a tent. It's more of a solid structure. Looks like a, like a house that like a mansion rather that was repurposed into a meeting building. And there's all kinds of people coming in and out. Uh, With different messages and stuff. Um, One thing you would know is that from the amount of magic and destruction that has happened in this area during the last year, there is a permanent 30% spell failure chance um, in about a 10 mile radius. You know, or I should say about a five mile radius from the no man's land. So about 10 miles wide. Um, Kind of like a, almost like this is becoming like a magically dead zone. Um, So yeah, they still have need for like old timey messages kind of running papers back and forth rather than like a sending spell exactly
3: uh, so um messenger sparrows
2: exactly yeah <laughs> like what you did there it was <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> as you uh as you enter high command you'd see that print you know there's kind of a large like boardroom meeting table where princess Lodora is sitting on one end at the head of the table and then her counterpart in this war, the uh, Supreme Commander, Lord Kerrigan Grey, is there. He is an elf. Looks like he's about in his late 20s. He's got kind of uh, blonde hair cut short. He's kind of taller and kind of thin, but like powerfully built, you know. Um, he always wears his finest armor everywhere. and He has a red cloak that flows behind him uh, like silk. And he is sitting at the other end of the table, just bothering. You can tell immediately Princess Eldora is just bothered. As, uh, yeah. Kerrigan is kind of a, you know, kind of just smiling from ear to ear and princess Lodora. She's just like, oh, As Kerrigan tells her yet another pickup line.
3: He looks like he's in his twenties, but like, how old is he as an elf? Uh, a couple hundred years. A couple hundred years Okay, I was going to say most, most elves kind of look like they're in their twenties. I think that's the, the youthfulness of, of, of elven races.
2: But yeah, you would come in right as he says to the princess. He says, you know, princess, I would make you a mother. A single mother, but a mother nonetheless. And she just groans out loud and she says, Kalanon, thank the gods. And she stands up from her table and kind of comes over and stands close to you. And she says, please, you have to get me out of here. Is there any meeting? Tell me there's a meeting. Uh, so I'll just
3: uh, cast a uh, an eye at... Uh, Kerrigan. Uh, there are some things that we have to attend to. I believe uh, there is uh, the B4s uh, going out, and I would like to debrief you on that if you would have the time.
2: She says, that sounds wonderful. Please lead the way. All right. And, uh, you know, there's like a whole bunch of meet- like rooms that have been repurposed in this house as meeting rooms. As mm. you guys go to leave, Kerrigan just kind of whistles. And he says, all right, Kelly, boy, save some for me. But I tell you what, princess, one of these days, you're going to be lucky enough to warm my bed. All right. All right. Final thing you would notice is as you go to leave, there is a uh, kind of a male servant that's coming around. Looks like he's also in his 20s, 30s. Um, Kerrigan would also, after saying that, give him a wink, just like a gives him the finger guns. Hits on anything that moves.
3: Oh ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. say, so do you have any grand plans with this character, or am I going to incinerate him right, here, right now? Because I just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm not hearing a no, so I can incinerate him.
2: Well, you could try. The thing is, he's the uh, supreme commander for all allied forces.
3: Yeah, doesn't make what he's doing acceptable.
2: I know. It's one of those things everyone just kind of puts up with. Yeah, but they
3: they shouldn't.
2: I know. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, they're like, this guy is, as a commander, he's very skilled. But as a person, he's kind of a douchebag.
3: Yeah, how desperate are we in this war if we're uh, letting this go on? Yeah. That's what I want to know.
2: Yeah. So as you guys make your way off into one of the meeting rooms in the house, in uh, high command here, Princess closes the door behind behind you guys and kind of draws the curtains so that no one can see in. And then, um, plants a big one on you, yeah, like, uh, like a tomato, exactly. She just pulls a tomato out of her princess pocket. And that's, <laughs> that's no she uh, she gives you one hell of a smooch, and uh, she pulls away and just says like, "Oh, I thought that would never end. I'm so ready for this war to be over, so I can never talk to that dreadful man again.,
3: oh, I'm sorry that <clears throat> I'm sorry that he bothers you so much. I'm sorry that he is the way he is. And how did we ever get set up with him in the first place? Why is, why?
2: Well, he's, uh, he's, he's told it to me, the story to me at length. He, uh, once was a a pit fighter over in the city of Hobrook, kind of a a gladiator of sorts. And then, you know, was able to buy his freedom, join the military, rose through the ranks. And it was decided, you know, early on that, uh, he had the most military experience out of anybody at the Grand, uh, Grand Convocation. Most experience of anyone leading an army of this size, and so it was decided. Without any discussion of putting up with him.
3: Yes. <clears throat> well, we should try and find a way to get ourselves rid of him uh, by acceptable standards before I start resorting to more uh, less acceptable standards.
2: So she just takes her hand, puts it gently on your cheek and says look i know this isn't ideal this isn't what we had in mind when we first started this but i just she says i just need you to be a little more patient this war has taken so much of my time and i i actually do have an errand i was hoping you'd be willing to run for me and she kind of gives you like that look like uh should i ask him i know he's already ticked off
3: sure of course for you for you anything
2: she uh she says well you see there is a. Um, I've been trying to get this um, entertainment. The soldiers have been so demoralized these last couple of weeks, in particular, you know, and especially the last few days with the rain, it's just been dreadful. She says I've been trying to get a little bit of uh, entertainment, hopefully lighten their spirits. She says, and they're they're en route currently. They just need someone to come in and help them set up for the uh, evening entertainment. Oh,
3: absolutely.
2: <clears throat> she says you may have heard of them. They're a group of. Uh, Dwarven pirate bards. They call themselves the sea miners.
3: Ah oh, yes. I remember the the last uh uh songs that they released, it was uh quite a few shanties.
2: Yes. Especially they got a new one apparently, Ooze I Did It Again.
3: Often oh, no, I haven't heard that, but I've been I've been busy.
2: <laughs> yes, if you could go make sure that transition I just can't handle anything else going wrong today if you could just go handle it and make sure that they're all set up and ready by sunset, that would just mean the world to me.
3: Sunset, you say? Oh, absolutely. And then I will um, just tell her how uh, amused I was that the B4s are hoping to... Uh, was it a windmill? No, it wasn't a windmill. It was uh, The old sawmill. Sawmill, thank you. Uh, well, that's when uh, the B4s will hopefully have uh, retaken the sawmill. They seem more optimistic this time than they were before. So
2: she just smiles and says, that's one way to put it. Optimistic, idiotic. They're a real glass half full, glass half full type organization, especially that commander Nico. Uh, More power to him.
3: Go ahead and um, fill me in on um, why that sentence makes sense for commander Nico.
2: Sure. Commander Nico's is the leader of the uh, the B-Force, and he is very much like World War I propaganda. He's going to ride in on his white horse leading the battle and take it to the enemy, you know? Mm. Um, very much taken by the uh, war propaganda without anything real to back it up. I mean, he's a skilled commander, uh, but also like they're, he's just almost in denial that they're stuck in a slog in this phase of the war.
3: Alright, well, I will uh, give her one last longing look, and uh, I will depart the uh, study that we had stashed ourselves away from.
2: Totally. As you go to leave, she grabs your hand and just kind of holds on to it for a minute. You can see she's got, like, a sad look on her face that this is the only way you guys can meet, really. She says, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Someday. Someday things will be better.
3: Someday. Someday indeed.
2: And from the window, you can hear the rain start to pick up. As She kind of gently lets go of your hand and has a seat and just kind of enjoys the uh, sound of the rain for a moment, trying to calm herself down a little bit further.
3: Yeah. I will leave her to that because I know how little she gets uh, time to herself and in moments
2: like these. Uh, so as you head back outside, um, one of the servants is going to hand you an umbrella. Like, it's really coming out down there, out there. You just gotta, you know, make sure that you're uh, staying, staying dry. High and dry, you know what I'm saying, sir?
3: Oh, thank you. Um, what duties do you have today?
2: Well, supposed to help uh, run messages. Yeah, I've tried a descending spell. No good. Mm-mm. And so he uh, kind of pads his pocket. You can see there's a couple of letters in there destined for the front lines. Um.
3: Oh, you, are you going out to the front lines then?
2: Yep. They can get me a horse, so I'm just supposed to hoof it, I guess.
3: And, and do you have an umbrella yourself?
2: Well, see, I was told to give this one to you. I, uh, my umbrella is, well, my mop of blonde hair. Oh.
3: Well, I'll tell you what thank you so much for giving this to me and I, Oh, I have an order for you. I need you to take this umbrella and use it, uh, delivering these messages because if they get, uh, wet, you know, the ink could smear and, uh, well, we don't want our messages to get, you know, misconstrued.
2: That is true. He just smiles from ear to ear, takes the umbrella back. Fluffs it out the door, stands under it, and says, You're a good man, Kalanon.
3: Thank you. I say, smiling, knowing that I'm an elf.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and he smiles and just kind of gives you a little wave and then trudges his way through the mud as the rain intensifies. So the uh, C miners are going to be coming in via airship about an hour later. um, They they meet kind of, there's like a gathering spot kind of north of the uh, high command. It's like a small hill. The rain runs down, and they're planning on setting up right on top, hoping that that will also kind of project the sound a little bit so more soldiers can hear it. And say, The uh, leader of the Sea Miners is a uh, dwarven female. She's got blonde braided hair and a dwarven beard. Um, her name is Eldebreth, and uh, she plays the main instrument, which is the uh, the banjo. So you'd see her kind of get off the airship, walking down the gangplank. She stands about three feet tall, and she uh, would go to shake your hand very vigorously, where are we supposed to be setting up here, laddie? Are you the guy that's gonna come tell us where to put our stuff? We only got so much time, you know. We got several shows planned for uh, just even this week.
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm gonna yeah, right this way. I'm gonna help you as as, as best as I can. Uh, where is uh, your equipment at? Back on the ship, laddie. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and grab that for you.
2: Excellent. Yeah, they got a couple of boxes. They also have like some merch as well bandanas, handkerchiefs. I don't know if there's a difference Um, (laughs) in, in reality, but yeah, they have different stuff with their logo on it. You know, they're going to give some away and sell some while they're here to try and make some money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically they get a whole kind of a wooden frame set up pointing away from the rain uh, so that too much doesn't get on the stage. It takes about uh, four hours to get the entire thing set up structurally sound on this muddy hill. Can I have you go ahead and roll an athletics check as you carry the boxes and help them set up their stage.
3: Uh, that isn't. It's a six. Six?
2: Yeah. So let's say you go to drop one of the boxes, and it cracks open, and some of their hats kind of get mud on them and stuff. As the bass player comes up, he's a half work, but he's dressed like mm-hmm. uh like a, like a old timey farmer, where he's got like the jeans with the two uh, the two straps. What do you call it? Overalls? overalls? Like jean yeah. overalls? Yeah. yeah. And he's Just like, Whoa! thank go do this. <laughs> it's
3: it slipped. Uh, it's, it's, it's with the, with the rain and everything, and it's, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to.
2: It uh, slipped. Well, of course you slipped. You gotta hold on to that better. He goes and picks it up, and, you know, he's pretty built, uh, being a half work and stuff. Picks it up with ease, and he's just like, see those three hats there, covered in mud? You paying for that.
3: Uh, of course. Of course. I've got three people that I know will love them, regardless of the condition that they're in.
2: You better. He just kinda, Huffs off, you know, with the box and stuff Nightfall approaches And you would hear the um, the sound of Hoofprints kind of coming in off the distance Like uh, like the echo of it mm-hmm. As the B Force returns from their battle uh, For the old sawmill At this point, the princess would also come up And just kind of inspect everything Give you a smile and say, you've done well, Kalanon Looks like they're about ready And Eldabeth kind of gives a thumbs up Swings her banjo around And they start playing music And just kind of naturally, after supper like waves of soldiers start coming in and kind of surrounding the hill, listening to the music as the lane, the the rain starts to let up making it so they can hear better.
3: I'm a really big fan of the hurdy gurdy uh, player. No. (laughs) No, have you not played sea of thieves? I have not. Do you know what a hurdy gurdy is?
2: I thought hurdy gurdy was like a person.
3: Like no girthy,
2: but she's got like big fists like hurdy no hurdy-gurdy.
3: no the hurdy-gurdy it's um kind of like this accordion hybrid
2: oh i'll have to look into that yeah i have students that play sea of thieves i just have never gotten around to it it's on my list i just oh yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but it just it's it brought a light to the hurdy-gurdy and i've known a little bit about it but like man hurdy-gurdy sounds great
2: like somewhere between a, an accordion and a concertina or like uh, concertina is
3: uh, another instrument, um, but like in the same th- family or uh, it, it, I'd say it's kind of close enough. Okay.
2: But yeah, they start uh, playing their shanties, playing their songs. The soldiers are clapping along. A couple of them are singing along in the crowd. A is going to find you kind of pull you to the back of the crowd where there's kind of a downed log that's uh, waterlogged as it were, but it's dried out enough that you can sit on it comfortably. As she just kind of like, um, you know, puts her hand on your lap. It's going to start swaying back and forth to music. Um, nice I guess. D- yeah. They say the, uh, the rain starts to kind of, you know, the rain has stopped and the clouds are kind of starting to part to reveal like a, um, a nice kind of a calm sky after the storm. First time the rain has broken in four days. And, uh, she just lets out a contented sigh sitting there with you. Um, so you guys share maybe a half hour of just enjoying each other's company, listening to the music here as the weather gets progressively better Commander Nico eventually kind of strides up, full armor, covered in gore, and uh, puts his helm up. You can see he's got kind of long black hair and uh, piercing blue eyes that um, you can see full well in the dark here. Um, and he bows to the princess and says, uh, Kalanon, Nico, it's lovely to see you.
3: Yes, as it is for you, I see that uh, your uh, mission is successful.
2: Yes. We only lost 800 lives. It's glorious.
3: That is... that still... still pains us. Well, yeah,
2: indeed, indeed. They have not died in vain. With the acquisition of the old sawmill, the end of the wars can't be more than just another three months. At the most, of course. Of course. And he, uh, basically tells the princess he has kind of an update, some of the more sensitive information, and requests a, uh, Kind of an eve, like a nighttime meeting to give her the deets on what happened at the old sawmill. Uh, she lets out a deep sigh. You feel her kind of squeeze your, your leg a little bit as she stands up and says, Lead the way, Nico. As he kind of strides towards the uh, high command, she just kind of looks back at you and just kind of shakes her head like this wasn't how she saw the evening going.
3: Yeah. Uh, half hour is, you know, more time than usual.
2: Yeah, like time, any time is good time. Say so as the B force, uh, you know, the the song ends, music ends. You make it back to your tent probably about eleven o'clock. At this point, the sky is pretty well cleared off, crescent moon, bunch of stars. You would hear once more hoofprints, the sound of hoofbeats coming from down the uh, the road here as the rest of the B force returns to their domiciles, their tents. Uh, once again, spraying you in mud. <sighs>
3: well, that happens. It's, it's not something that I'm getting mad about.
2: I said, Kalanon. we'll say that, um, so kind of in the night sky, you would see like a small fleet of airships, uh, approaching. You'd recognize the head the flagship, the nastier, but classier as the, uh, dirty water boys being summoned.
3: Ah, yes. What a sight for <sighs> my sore elven eyes.